time I always said I was born on the wild side One foot in the flames and the other trying to walk the line Welcome to Top Hat STEM Chat. This is our Austin P. College of STEM podcast, bringing you everything focused on the college, its faculty, staff, and students, and the impact they're having on the world at large. I am Colby Wilson, and on today's episode, 90 Seconds of STEM and an interview with standout engineering physics student Malia Lanier, who spent last summer in Europe as part of the NSF's IRES program. We will get into that and a lot more in just a second. But first, Celebrating our wins. This is where we highlight our faculty, staff, and students who won an award, grabbed a grant, were placed on a committee, or otherwise recognized for their expertise, hard work, and singular genius. Graduate student Spencer Trimp was recently awarded a Tanner and Campbell grant from the Great Smoky Mountains Conservation Association to study the outcomes of captive propagation on the, and I'm going to mess this up terribly, Satiko Darter. Spencer will be collaborating with Conservation Fisheries, Inc., to assess how their history of propagation and reintroductions have contributed to genetic diversity across the range of the species. Eight students presented at the 2024 Posters at the Capitol event in Nashville, showcasing posters and research to lawmakers and peers. The event also featured a morning photo op and Q&A session on the steps of the Capitol with Governor Bill Lee. Congratulations to Bryson Dew, who will represent Austin P. in the American Society of Radiologic Technologists Student Leadership Development Program, an advocacy training initiative which accepts just two students from each state annually. Gracie Suggs, an undergraduate student in our biology program, has been accepted into the Vanderbilt VXL Cancer Research Program for this summer. The VXL program at Vanderbilt Ingram Cancer Center, sponsored by the American Cancer Society, provides a unique training experience that builds upon Vanderbilt's extraordinary record of research, training, and fostering diversity in biomedical science with the goal of promoting a pathway to cancer research and medicine careers for undergraduate students. And finally... Congratulations to Jones Ajay, a staff member of the Department of Biology who was sworn in as a United States citizen earlier this week. The Department of Biology and the College of STEM salute Jones not only for his exemplary work as a lab manager with us since 2019, but for also putting in all the paperwork and all the effort that goes into becoming a United States citizen. And those are just a few of our wins in the last few days and weeks. If you have more than I'm not aware of, send those along to wilsonrc at apsu.edu, and we'll take a break and be right back with undergrad research extraordinaire Malia Lanier right after this. If there's a question bothering your brain that you think you know how to explain, you need a test. Yeah, think up a test. It's possible to prove it wrong You're going to want to know before too long You'll need a test if somebody says they figured it Our guest today is pursuing an engineering physics degree at Austin P. has become one of the department's shining lights. In addition to their research work, they served a variety of roles on campus like student ambassador, instructor, and club president, I believe. And Malia Lanier, thank you and welcome to Top Hat STEM Chat. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> so, where are you from and what brought you to Austin P? Uh, I've lived a bunch of different places growing up, but I've pretty much called Tennessee home. I just grew up further south. Uh, I heard about Austin P through a different degree program that I am no longer pursuing. Um, I was initially studying French when I came here, and that was the degree that I'd heard of, and that's how Austin P popped up for me. So, 
I don't do that. I don't, obviously, I'm not doing that degree anymore. That is quite a pivot from French to engineering physics. <laughs> How did you make that change? I knew that I was dabbling in the College of Arts and Letters and STEM because I wanted to do French and math. I knew the language um, because that's what I studied growing up. But then I just realized I didn't really want to continue with the French degree. It just didn't quite sing to me. And then I slowly migrated from math to engineering. Um, so what was the inspiration for that migration? My advisor, uh, Dr. Mincer, was my advisor in the math department. And he sat me down one day and said, I'm not trying to run you off from the math department, but I don't know if we have a concentration that's really going to interest you the way that you want to do things. So he sent me across the street. And I guess the I don't know if that's a good thing or not yet. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like it's working out for you so far in a lot of ways, uh, starting with uh, the research in France, which... I guess you kind of had a little bit of an easier time than some of the people I've talked to who did the Irish trips last summer, because I'm guessing speaking French a lot was not as problematic for you? No, it wasn't at all, actually. So I was there with Yuri um, Holovchak, and he didn't know any French, but I, since I did, I was able to translate most of anything we needed to and converse with the scientists and engineers over there, which helps with the language barrier a little bit, because not all of them know English, but it's... The United States, obviously, is the exception with that. A lot of people in Europe also know English on top of whatever their official language is. What was the experience like of doing the research in another country and just the whole NSF, IRIS grant experience? It was it was a lot of fun. The program, I could tell, was intended more for traditional students that had never really been abroad or outside, you know, outside of the country, never done research before. Obviously, that was not the case for myself or for Yuri, but so we were the exceptions in that case, but it was still something that was very rewarding for both of us, and it helped me kind of solidify the decision of what I was doing after school, which was nice. I was working just a full-time nine-to-five, and I could do whatever I wanted in the evenings and the weekends. A lot of people don't realize that as a student, you don't normally get that. Um, right now, I'm in lectures from, you know, eight to three, and then I work at night, and then I do homework, and it's not really ever a break, but it's very different when you have a job, and so that was really refreshing. And just getting to experience the food, the culture, everything and also of course the science that I was doing over there too so we can't forget that. Can you go into a little bit on the science? Sure so I was making a special kind of glass um, I guess to kind of summarize it but it's a special glass that goes into like thermal cameras um, obviously not just the glass itself is the you need a bunch of different sensors and things that go into the camera to make something like that. But we had some new ideas that we wanted to try and incorporate into the glass that I was making. So I went over there and I made it and then I brought it back here. Um, and I'm actually still running tests and things on it too. It's my official capstone project thing that we call it, I think is the official name for it. So when you, when you bring it back here, do you suddenly have something that other professors are interested in learning from you? Yes and no. The official idea of what I was working on came from the professor that I was working with, but it was one that I was very much still interested in. So it wasn't necessarily, you have to do this thing. It was something that I got to kind of lead a little bit. And bringing back something, it was like, oh, I made this. This is my thing. I started with you know, nothing and came back. With, with something. With something, which was incredible. Um, 
So also, I know that students after me will still do some studies and measurements on it, even if it's just so they learn how to use any of the instrumentation that we work with with the samples and such, too. So it, it's, it feels kind of like a legacy being born. If that doesn't sound cheesy, I don't know. <laughs> You've done a lot of different kinds of research, haven't you? Uh, what can you share about your study of, and I'm going to butcher this word, I'm just going to do my best, petroscopy and working with the Tennessee Space Grant Consortium? It was. It's actually um, spectroscopy. I meant to, it's okay, you missed a letter. Um, I specifically was working with something called Raman spectroscopy. Raman, like the noodles, but it's spelled differently. Um, and that was the longest project that I stayed on. So you find out that you've been chosen for the IRES program around like January or December-ish before you go. So you have a full semester when you know that you're going to be going and you work hand in hand with the professor that will travel there with you and you get to task you, you're tasked with some kind of research experience that gives you an idea of what you're going to be doing when you're at whatever location you go to. In my case, it was France. All of the research I'd done before was a lot of computational programming stuff, and they said, we want you to have more experimental, hands-on, in-the-lab type stuff. So Raman spectroscopy was very much me getting in the lab over and over and over and over again with a bunch of different samples and doing a lot of really cool things. So I essentially was identifying the chemical fingerprints of materials as a way um, with an optical spectroscopic method, which is what Raman spectroscopy is. So I was just working with lasers a lot is kind of to sum things up. Um, my professor handed me I actually have been working with this professor for a few years now, but he handed me a box of stuff and said, here you go, figure out what this is. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> did you figure out what it was? I did, actually, yeah. Um, there are a lot of very unique characteristics and um, behaviors and things that you can identify in the data that you look at when you take these readings of samples. And I was able to just identify different things. And you can do it with relatively anything except metal. Um, so it was a lot of fun though. It was something that I really got to kind of take control of and do things at my own pace and do what I wanted. I had over a hundred hours in the lab in the first like semester. I presented my work at six or seven different conferences and being funded by the space grant obviously made a huge difference because we wouldn't have been able to have the supplies or have me commit that amount of time to it without any of the extra funding. How many times did you say you presented? Six or seven that semester. And, um, and where were you doing all these presentations at? Was it local? Was it? Did you go to posters on the Capitol? I never went to posters on the Capitol. Um, I did present in the... There's the southeastern section of the American Physics Society, um, which is a mouthful, but we called it CSAPS. That was one that's a regional one. I presented at a lot of local ones. I got to go to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. I got to go to a bunch of the different ones in Vander, like near Vanderbilt and Nashville, um, as well as here. I was a part of the innovation experience as well. What was that like? Because I'm I haven't worked here that long, so I'm coming up on my first one this year, and I'm kind of apprehensive about what's this going to be. 
I wouldn't be apprehensive about it at all, but it well, was... Well, I'm not presenting either, so it's very easy for me. I just... Picture Boy just takes the pictures, but I don't, I don't know what I'm in for here. Can you describe the event a little bit? It feels a lot like a networking event more than anything. You have local companies that are looking to see these innovative new ideas that students have come up with. Generally, the physics, engineering, and astronomy department has their seniors presenting their capstone design projects at this event. I was just there um, because... Because you had some research? I thought it'd be fun, and I thought I have done a lot. Um, so it's a really good networking opportunity because people from Google and a lot of the local um, industry companies in the area are there to see what's going on and ask you questions about what you've been doing. They do present some type of award. Um, I know the physics, engineering, and astronomy department won like the, the seniors from the engineering degree specifically won that award last year. So I didn't win anything when I went, but it was still fun to present and get to talk to people. How do you balance all of this with, I mean, you got academics, you've tutored, taught, student ambassador, how do you, and you get in the lab for hundreds of hours as well. So how do you, how do you do it all? It takes a lot of time management and prioritization. I am not in the lab nearly as much anymore. My research hours have decreased significantly. I work a job off campus now. Um, I do my best to balance things as much as I can, um, but you have to know when to prioritize and when to say, okay, things are getting a little too much for me. There's a little too much going on, so I need to back down or decrease what I'm doing. Um, even though I'm not as actively involved as I used to be, I still find myself pretty busy sometimes. There's a lot of late nights, um, but I try not to let my grades suffer or anything because if I notice that my school is starting to take a hit, then it's just time to you know, take a step back from things. Well, you say you step back, but you're also president of the uh, Society of Physics chapter, correct? Um, and you guys are highly visible doing a lot of stuff. Uh, what have you tried to do to promote engagement and growth? We consider ourselves an outreach-based club, which means our main goal is just to educate, whether it's workshops for the students within the department or events on campus or furthering our reach to the, you know, the greater Clarksville area or even out to you know, Fort Campbell or Nashville or anything like that. We just like to have little events and things that we participate in to continuously have that engagement and that growth. I've been an officer for three years, president for the past two, so I'm coming to the end of my second term. I'm actually stepping down after this semester. Um, another prioritization thing, um, but I'm not worried about what the club will be like after me because the board of officers that I work with currently is fantastic, so it'll be in good hands, but we work together really well to make sure that we are still keeping things kind of active, I guess, without, without making us uh, want to just cry. <laughs> <laughs> and you've also served as an instructor for the Governor's School of Computational Physics, right? Mm -hmm. What were some, what was that experience like for you? Because it, it had to have been kind of a role reversal in a lot of ways. It was definitely different because working with high schoolers is very different than working with college students. Um, and little kids, obviously, because a lot of our things that we do as a club is going to elementary school STEM nights and doing physics demonstrations and showing them, hey, this isn't magic. This is actually 
this is something I can do and I can show you how to do it. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, although sometimes it's just easier to call it magic and it's okay too. But when it came to working with those students, because that's one of those programs where it's these high achieving high school students um, and meeting them, they're just, they're so smart. It's, it's just crazy to me to sit there and interact with some of them and think about what they know and what they can do. Because when I was their age, I absolutely could not have done any of that. I would not have been in their shoes at any point, been in a program like that. But being able to see them grow and go to college is weird because it's almost like a parental type thing, which is odd because there's not, (laughs) obviously I'm not going to be like the age of their parents, but seeing them go from high school to college has been really unique. Actually, one of the officers that I work with was a governor's school student when I was a mentor a few years ago. So now that William is here, it's super interesting because it's just interesting to say, oh yeah, I taught you when you were in high school and now you're now you're working in the physics club with me. <laughs> it gives us an interesting dynamic for sure. Uh, you were a teaching assistant as well. Did you enjoy that experience? Is teaching something that you're considering? Is it... Oddly enough, I'm not considering being a teacher at all. Just because of that experience? No, no, no. I loved that. I taught some of the enhanced math sections, which is for like the non-traditional and vet students or just students that were struggling with math. As somebody who is also trying to bridge that gap of, it's been a while since I've looked at this stuff. Um, my A couple friends of mine in some classes were teasing me because I didn't know trigonometry, and I sat there and counted out on both hands how long it had been since I looked at trigonometry and geometry. Um, and it was friendly fire, you know, them teasing me about it, but it was like, give me a break. I don't, I haven't looked at this in a while. And so being able to help other students in a situation like that uh, was very special and unique because when it's been a long time or you're struggling, it can be really discouraging to not have the help that you need. And I knew that I had effective methods and ways of explaining things because there's not just one way to learn. And I think a lot of people might disagree with me on that, but I stand by that. Um, (laughs) um, There's not just like one way to learn how to do something. And being able to promote and show these different ways of learning things was part of the reason why I had students coming to me at the end of the semester saying, you're the reason I passed this class. Um, There was a year where both professors I was working with ended up having a medical emergency and I was no longer just filling the gap in between material that they didn't understand in the class. I was teaching the classes themselves Um, because the substitute teachers that came in, it was like the end of the semester, they didn't know what was going on and they came, the students came to me and said, these subs are not doing a good job. We don't know what's going on. Can you help us? so it's very, very validating for sure to hear them say, oh, I passed because of you, because I know that if I didn't have the same kind of network of people or somebody to rely on that knew better the material and how to just go about learning, I would not have been as successful as I have been now. So, What are your career aspirations? Not grad school. Not grad school. (laughs) Not grad school. A lot of people ask me that, actually, because I finished the physics degree, um, and when I was in the last semester of it, I realized I didn't like physics that much, and I liked engineering better, which sucked. I kind of wish I'd had that realization earlier. Well, it's better late than never. Exactly. Better late than never. Um, 
but engineers, we provide goods and services. And I see that as a way of just helping people, whether it's the community. While I'm not necessarily interested in teaching, I have enjoyed teaching and it's very enriching and very fulfilling. And I still I still enjoy it, but it's not like a career thing for me. I'm looking to just join the industry because I am tired of school. I'm not tired of learning though, and I always like to highlight that. I'm tired of worrying about parking tickets and quiz grades and <laughs> um, 8 a.m. lectures. I can see the parking ticket thing being a, a <laughs> big concern, honestly. Yeah. So how are you hoping to contribute kind of out in the world of industry? I think I have a unique background and unique experiences to contribute with to the industry as a whole. And um, honestly, genuinely, this sounds cheesy, but the education I've gotten with that department, with the physics, engineering, and astronomy department, is so unique. Any Anybody that's graduated, and I've seen a few classes come and go, um, they always say that they have gotten fantastic jobs and have had nothing but praise, whether they go to the industry or they go to grad school, because our degree is that good. It's rigorous and it means late nights sometimes and early mornings, but it prepares us in a way that they don't normally get people coming out of an undergraduate degree at that level. And so being able to take that into the industry, I think would be a lot of fun. And I just have a huge passion for it too. Like I said, going to France just instilled in me that regular, like, I want to just be doing something um, more hands-on and that is not sitting through lectures because I'm, I, again, I'm not tired of learning, but I'm tired of school. That's, that's a fair distinction to make too. Um, you, you mentioned the opportunities and how it's kind of unique here. Do you feel like you would have gotten the same level of experience at a different place just because I know how hands-on you guys can be and are allowed to be by the professors here? Honestly, I think if you're thinking comparatively, you know, the size of Austin P to universities of a similar size, no. Um, obviously, there are some bigger, more highly funded departments somewhere like, you know, Vanderbilt or something like that. But for somebody who, quite frankly, just needed a less expensive school that was in a convenient location, I didn't, APSU was just kind of a hidden was kind of hidden away, but like a hidden treasure, at least, um, for me to have the opportunities and things that I did. They encourage and promote research and that just that high quality of work so strongly within the department. And I think that quality is something that might not necessarily be there at another university that was of this similar size. Our department is larger than it's ever been before, just because I think with our accreditation, we've gotten more incoming students, but we're still really, really small compared to practically any other university. And I think that's one of our strong strong points, though, is it's very close-knit. Well, and also at other universities, you may be fighting hundreds of graduate and doctorate students for just anything, any scrap of opportunity. And here, if you want to do it, you can do it. A professor, if you show an interest, a professor will find a place for you to contribute. And I feel like that's really unique. Absolutely. I, I love that you pretty much are guaranteed to do some type of research work in your time through the degree. 
I think it's really good to kind of dip your toes into the water, so to speak, of research and get to experience it a little bit. Because even if you are dead set on just joining the industry like I am at this point, because I'm not interested necessarily in making some groundbreaking research. I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. And maybe that is going to be groundbreaking research, but it doesn't have to be. And so that makes my options a little more broad. If you were giving advice to an aspiring engineering physics major, what would it be? Take care of yourself. That sounds (laughs) cheesy, but as somebody who very quickly noticed that my health in various aspects had kind of gone down the gutter a little bit because it is too easy to focus and stress about making every single lecture and oh no, I have to get exactly a 4.0 to graduate and be happy with myself or anything like that. Um, It's not realistic, and I think you need to set realistic expectations for yourself, especially because from as far as I know, maybe second to nursing, the engineering degree is one of the most difficult, like universally, um, degrees to go for. And ours is definitely falls under that category of difficult. What is your idea of happiness? Happiness? I think it's important to enjoy what you're doing, but not necessarily enjoying it and never wanting a break from it. A lot of times people say, I just want a job that I never want a vacation from. Who on earth wants that? <laughs> exactly. Like You still got to take some time. Yeah, you, you absolutely need to take time away. And I don't think it's, I don't think happiness you can measure it by saying, oh, I'm happy with my life and my job because I don't ever want to take a vacation. It was like, eh, I don't know if it necessarily follows, you know, falls under something like that. But I think if you are content with who you are and who you're becoming, um, I think, and just where you are in life, I think that definitely falls under the definition of happiness to an extent. I don't know. I Obviously not just that, but that's a big part of it, I think. What is your biggest fear? I really hate clowns. Um, (laughs) I feel like there's something there in the past. (laughs) Not necessarily just some horror story of it. I just... Do you just watch It at too young of an age? Probably. I I don't know. John Wayne Gacy, uh, Pennywise, that was enough for me to just really hate clowns. Going to carnivals and stuff always just was horrific for me. I don't know. I mean, I could probably give you a deeper response than that, but I really don't like clowns. What might cause you to lie? I'm very much a person that doesn't sugarcoat things, but so in the context of not lying to somebody, obviously, I am going to be very blunt with people. I have a strong personality, and I think anybody who knows me would agree and attest to that, which sometimes can be a good thing and sometimes can be a bad thing. And I have noticed sometimes that blunt honesty can get me in trouble. Um, And so I think if I found it appropriate at some point to lie, it would probably just be because I know that I tend to be blunt and strong and need to maybe tone things down a little bit, maybe sugarcoat things a little bit. I, I stand for honesty, integrity, and everything that I do in my work. But, um, and that includes, you know, the work that I produce, whether it's at the job that I'm working or at school or just honesty in my interactions with my friends and family. 
I'm not going to, generally I'm not going to lie to you, but, you know, if that bluntness maybe isn't necessarily something you need to hear in the moment, then that might be a situation where I'd tone it down a little bit, I guess. (laughs) When and where were you happiest? There was a day when I was in France and my partner actually came out for a little while to spend some time with me and we were just kind of hanging out on my patio one random day in June in France and it just was like one of those moments where it's like wow this is not in a moment I think I, I thought I'd ever experience at any point in my life before now and here I am now and I hardly remember it unless I look back in my photos because I happened to take a picture because I was just so in the moment and happy and content with like everything that was going on and being where I was so especially after a really really stressful trip back and forth to France because all the flights were getting canceled around that time too and so it was like everything kind of Everything, calm, everything fell kind of place. fell into place. I was like, okay, I actually am okay with this. We're good. I need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest risk you've ever taken? Oh, biggest risk I've ever taken? I'm trying to think. I'm a pretty ballsy per. I don't know. If I-, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, Karen can. Karen, if you're listening, I'm probably going to include that. <laughs> um, again, most people know I've got a strong personality. Um, I mean, physical risk, I got into trouble all the time doing dumb stuff like jumping off of buildings and everything because, um... I'm sorry, did you say jumping off of buildings? Yeah, my when I was in, like, middle school, half of us had an obsession with parkour and thought we could survive, like, jumping off of, like, tops of, you know, the roofs of the building and jumping around and climbing trees all the time, which, nothing wrong with that, but I physically took a lot of risks that probably should have maybe been kept under better control than that, but it's fine. I got to, you know, touch some grass and skin my knees a little bit, and I think everyone needs to do that a few times. I mean, applying for the IRES one was pretty risky for me just because of where I was at that point in my life. Um, I was absolutely questioning what I was doing school-wise. I was debating about even coming back. Um, actually it had gotten to a point where I just imposter syndrome was kicking in and I was just like, man, I should not have even done this. This was a mistake. And, um, I had several people encourage me to continue going through the application and they said, just do it. The worst you can do is say no. The best they can do is say yes. And you still say no to them. Well, also too, if you're facing imposter syndrome at the time, the worst they could do might be say yes. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was pretty, and no, everyone said too, they said, you know, oh, you're a shoe in for that. There's no way you're not going to get that position. And I was like, I'm not going to bank on the fact that I do, because that's, I mean, that's where I was. I was at the point where I was like, I don't know if that's ever going to work. And that sounds super weird, but that was something that was kind of a, that was a big risk for me, just because of where I was at that point, where I was debating about it. And I know that there were some people who backed out of it. I backed out of their applications entirely because of the same feeling. And um, if I thought about it more, I probably would have another response for you. But that's kind of one thing that definitely comes to mind. It was a scary, it was a scary time for me. I actually had to call somebody and say like, hey, hype me up to hit the hit send, send. Hit send on the email. 
it's it's funny you mention that because I feel like everybody goes through that at some point. No matter what you do, no matter where you are in your life, you are going to feel like imposter. How do you? How did you fight through it? I still fight through it every day. I the the guys that I am with. I say guys because it's mostly guys. Um, it's all guys um, that I take all of my classes with are these brilliant, brilliant people that just straight out of high school knew exactly what they wanted to do and what they wanted to study and they were right they hit it right on the money they are happy with what they're studying they are super smart and excelling and just being amazing in all of their classes and your path was a little bit different mine was a little bit different yeah and I find myself comparing myself to them a lot and I've told them that too I said I compare myself to you guys all the time because you just seem to have it and just this intuition and understanding that I sometimes feel like I have like a fundamental lack of. And they always say, oh, you're not being fair to yourself and give off these different reasons about like why it's not imposter syndrome. And they say, you've accomplished so much and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And so usually it's sometimes the validation is nice to hear, but doesn't necessarily make that imposter syndrome go away. But I think it's important to have somebody that you can rely on and help keep you grounded to reality because um in all honesty you sent me your questions and i sent it to a couple people and i was like i don't know how to respond to these and they said wow you're so accomplished there's so many questions in there about all the different things you've done and i just sat there like huh i guess i guess i have kind of done a lot maybe i don't know and then the imposter syndrome kicked in at that point too where it's like am i accomplished have i actually done a lot and <laughs> I mean, I didn't have to spend just hours and hours getting all this together. It, came, it all came together in about 15 or 20 minutes. Is there a recent act of kindness or generosity that's had a big impact on you? Yeah, actually. It was at the um, APSU Coast End basketball game, which was, what was that, two weeks ago? No, more than that. Uh, the, it was February 3rd, whatever, 18 days ago right now, I guess. Yeah, so um, almost three weeks ago-ish. But anyway, so we had the Coast M-themed basketball game. Uh, the club, Del Square Side, our, our physics club, went with like 10 or 11 people. We were the largest. We took up an entire row in that student section. And um, one of my best friends in the department, also the vice president of the club, his parents were walking around, and they were at the game. And I hear someone call my name. Now, my name is not very common, so I turn around, obviously, thinking, this person must know me because who's calling my name? And I turn around, and so she thinks that I don't recognize her because I've met his parents before, but we just don't talk a lot. And she goes, oh, hi, it's so nice to see you. And I'm, you know, doing the, you know, the mom talk that you do with moms. It's like, hi, how are you? I'm doing good, you know, anything like that. And I said, okay, oh, well, the game's about to start. I got to go. And she goes, oh, okay, that's fine. Also, thank you so much for everything you do. And then just walked away. And I remember I was talking to um, Michael that night. And I was like, did she just say that to me nice? Or, like, does, does, do you tell her stories about, like, stuff that goes on? And he goes, a little bit of both. But she actually meant it. She knows some of the stuff that you do. And I was like, what? And I, like, I started tearing up at the idea of it. Because it was just this very casual interaction with her that was just like oh hey you know thank you by the way for everything you do just slid it right in right before she walked away and then walked away and I sat there I was like (gasps) (laughs) that and I think Dr. Meish during Dr. Vaughn's um, Meish on the mic Dr. Meish bought my bagel because I was there and it was funny because she didn't know that I hadn't eaten that day and I wasn't going to eat until I got home from work that night so that was my food for the day and she covered it for me and I was just like oh she's so nice I love Dr. Meish 
I bet she's going to hear this later, but... <laughs> I, I hope so, because otherwise I'm hollering into the void. I don't know who else listens to this, aside from her and, I guess, my wife. I guess content with the things I'd done. Um, I don't know if you mean, like, do I want to, you know, do I want to get hit by, like... It is an, it is an open-ended question, however you wish to answer it. I don't want to die regretting the life that I had lived, um, which sounds cheesy, but, I mean... I think we should all probably get to the end of our life feeling that way. Yeah, I want to be able to feel accomplished and happy with the things that I did and not wishing I had done something else or done something differently, living life to the fullest sort of thing. Um, I think it's really easy to get bogged down in the everydays of life and just be like, where, where, where. But I, whether it's I'm content with my job or in you know the school that I've got or I'm just content with the things that I've done, whether it's like, oh, yeah, I finally bought a house and got the goats that I wanted or, you know, something like that. <laughs> goats? Goats. I grew up on a farm, um, and I do – I'm a country kid at heart for sure. Um, so having a farm would be nice one day if I ever get to have my own piece of land. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? An animal came to mind immediately where I was just thinking of, like, a cat. But then I also thought of maybe, like, a thunderstorm or something, Ooh. like the rain. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I don't know if that's, that might be weird to say, but I know that sometimes the weather changing makes me think of people. And I think there's beauty and terror in thunderstorms. And I'd like to say that I I hold that too. <laughs> so that'd be, that'd be neat. I could, I, could, I could be like Zeus with lightning or whatever. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. <laughs> All right, you got to put three things in a time capsule to represent your life and our era. What's going in there? There is a ring that I can no longer wear because I've it's actually too small for me now. Um, my partner keeps it on a D-ring and or like on a necklace, but it was my favorite ring in the world, and I gave it kind of as a gift and just kind of like a little thing that we could share. But it has just some different little symbols on it from a franchise, a book series, game series, movie series, The Witcher. It's something I'm an avid fan of. Half of my tattoos are from that, um, from that you know franchise. It's one of my fun facts about me on the bulletin board upstairs in the hallway as an officer is that I'm an avid fan of it. And that ring is really special to me because I wore it all the time it wouldn't go anywhere without it so i'd probably stick that in there um i have a cap that i like to wear a lot that is not actually this one it's my elijah craig cap it's like probably my favorite bourbon i was gonna say the bourbon yeah right. it's okay. one of my favorite bourbons um because i work i work at a liquor store right now um for context i don't know if you can put that in there <laughs> but um if we're gonna keep ballsy in there we're gonna keep the job in there <laughs> um but the Elijah Craig cap is just one of my favorite ones and one that I just I wear pretty much all the time. Sometimes I got this one so I could rep Austin P at events if I needed to wear an Austin P one because I don't have a lot of APSU swag or gear to wear. I never really collected any of it. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'll get a hat because I like hats. But I definitely put the Elijah Craig cap in there because it was one of my favorite ones and it's one of my favorite bourbons. So I think I'd put that. And then... I have a challenge coin that I usually keep on me um, that I would probably put in there. Um, I don't have it on me today. I usually keep it on me, but um, I like to keep them on me just because I've had some friends that didn't know what they were. So. 
I have no earthly idea what it is. So it's it's a military thing. Um, they, a lot of times, you can get a coin for you know the different um, things that you'll do or serve as or whatever. Um, I've collected them over the years with. Um, I collect some from my family members and such, but I have some of my own that I've kept as well. And they're just, they're very special to me. And it's kind of a part of me. That's this really neat thing that you can just kind of stick in your pocket. Um, there's a whole thing of where if you go out and get drinks and someone, you know, you pull off the coin and some person doesn't have it, then they're the one covering the tab or whatever. And so, um, I do like to have a challenge coin on me just because I also like to fiddle with something. If you could make one significant change in the world, what would it be? I wish that people valued what they had a little more, um, which is a very strong, very like deep thing to kind of dive into. But I think it is too easy, especially when you're going through school, to kind of undervalue or disqualify some of the things you have or things you do, whether it's the memories you have with your friends or the item, like the actual items and things that you have during there. I think it's so important to just value what you have because something they joke around about, and by they, I mean just those of us that go through this degree, the, you know, physics, engineering, and astronomy, they always say, you know, we're going through hell, but we're going through hell together sort of thing. Um, It's tough. And I think you can look back on it more fondly if you value the friends that you make, you know, the friendships that form and bond over time, um, even if they're not necessarily to the same level of friendships you have in other aspects of your life. Um, but valuing the memory and time that you have and time that it takes, especially because, I mean, going to college, going to school, it's a big, scary decision. It can be really hard to find whether or not that was the right decision for you but and not just in school just onward too um i learned very quickly not to take life so seriously and some people actually didn't like me for that some people were like you joke around too much you don't you don't you know you don't take things seriously enough and it's like i can but i know that there you shouldn't take everything so seriously you should just enjoy what you have and enjoy living in the now because you also never really know how much time you're going to get, which sounds super cheesy again, but I think it's important to value what you have. And if you have, if you don't have something that you want, then go get it. That's really good philosophy for life. That's really good advice. Um, Malia, thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's the truth. Then my friend, you are going to need proof. Come up with a test. Yeah, you need a test. Believe it cause they say it's so If it's not true you have a right to know Put it to the test Put it to the test Yeah, test it out Put it to the test yeah, put it to the test Put it to the test Put it to the test A big thank you to Malia Lanier for taking some time to join us this week. Before we wrap up, it's time for 90 Seconds of STEM. Science on Tap is back March 5th at Strawberry Alley Ale Works with Dr. Mike Wilson giving the big lecture on 3D printing. In fact, I believe I can now share this. We will be giving away a 3D printer at the event. Don't miss out. In case we don't get back behind the mic before then, or if you don't listen to this until after Dr. Wilson's appearance, March will feature Dr. Jackie Vogel, head of the Department of Mathematics, on March 12th at Einstein's for the next Mush on the Mic. If you haven't heard, the College of STEM is traveling down to Huntsville March 14th and 15th, and we're inviting you to come along with us. 
On March 14th, a busload of Austin P students will head down to Huntsville for a career fair with local businesses. And on March 15th, a traveling science on tap will be at the Shed at the Stove House for a presentation by Dr. Catherine Haas. RSVP today if you're planning to make it for either event. And finally, if you'd like to check out another podcast with some important APSU ties, check out Where the Internet Lives, a Webby award-winning podcast from Google about the unseen world of data centers. The first episode of Season 3 features SGI Executive Director Dr. Dwayne Estes on his commitment to restoring grasslands. And that's it, your 90 seconds of STEM. Thanks for tuning in. Rate and review if you liked what you heard, or drop me a line at wilsonrc at apsu.edu or cwilson225 on the website formerly known as Twitter if you didn't. If there's somebody you want to hear from or learn more about, or if you're a College of STEM alum and want to get involved, get at me in one of those two places. Thanks for tuning in this week, and we will talk to you later. antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium.